0: Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off the Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for December 19th, 2022. I am your host, JD from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings wherever you may be. What a Raw, man! What a Monday Night Raw. We got a a damn good show tonight, and I haven't said that with that type of emphasis in several weeks, man. Several, several weeks. Months, actually. Monday Night Raw has been uh, borderline sleep-inducing television. But I'll tell you what, man. Tonight's show was focused. Tonight's show was unpredictable. Tonight's show gave you that raw... If you guys have been listening to me for the last several weeks, I've been saying that Monday Night Raw is definitely missing something. What are they missing? I don't know. Hasn't been good television. They're missing that sense of urgency. They're missing that unpredictability. They're missing that chaos that Monday Night Raw was so used to doing, so good at doing. Tonight, we got a little bit of everything. As we head into Royal Rumble season, as we get ready for the holiday, strap in, the fucking holidays are coming, man. Christmas is coming, New Year's is coming. Things are going to be slow as far as pro wrestling. And then WWE is building towards December 30th and January 2nd. Those are the two big dates coming up. They did more tonight to build towards the first Raw of next year than I think they've done all of the Triple H administration. They did a fantastic job at building towards things that we are going to be seeing in the new year. Rollins and Austin Theory for the United States Championship. We got the bloodline basically taking the show hostage. Roman Reigns was there. He wasn't on television for uh, all but five minutes, not even, but he was there. And the Usos, Sami Zayn, Solo Sokoa. It was almost as if the bloodline took a page out of the New World Order back in the WCW Nitro days in 1998. They caused chaos. They were beating up people backstage throughout the show. They were starting feuds with the OC and the club. We got Seth Rollins involved. Kevin Owens got involved. We got Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens ending the show with a stare-down. That is going to play into a lot going into December 30th. We got Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair. They did a lot this week, more so that I enjoyed than they did last week. Last week was pathetic. Last week was lame. Very supernatural-esque. At least this week they made Alexa Bliss seem a little bit more humanized as far as turning heel or going to the dark side, turning evil. I thought that sit-down segment with Bianca Belair was actually pretty fucking good. She sounded like a normal human being, and she showed anger, real human anger, in a way that isn't fucking spooky or supernatural or just downright cringe. I enjoyed it. Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss, that is also on the January 2nd Monday Night Raw, the first Raw of the new year, along with Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. They're building to a big, big show. We may actually get the bloodline on that show versus the OC as well, after what we saw tonight. Becky Lynch and... B- and I was going to say Bianca Bella. I'm so used to them two feuding. Becky Lynch and Bailey. they had a very good match with a very good ending. I enjoyed the ending of that match. Bailey actually looked like somebody who uses her brain. Damage control actually got a win over big-time Bex. Awesome. We have a lot to talk about tonight, man. A lot to dive into. I thought tonight was a very focused show. And the crowd, yes, could be a little bit better. And Kevin Patrick does indeed still fucking suck. There's your Kevin Patrick mention for the podcast this week. But all in all, I thought Monday Night Raw was a very focused show. And I'm very excited to see where they go into the new year. Bronson Reed debuted on Monday Night Raw tonight. He is the latest return for Triple H, one that I am very excited about. Bronson Reed was a Triple H project back in the black and gold era. We're going to talk about that in depth tonight, on why he is back and why he is going to be a big deal and why him being paired with The Miz doesn't really feel all that bad I get why they're doing it. I think Bronson Reed is tough enough and big enough and mean enough to sit on his own, but The Miz being paired with Bronson Reed tonight, I actually didn't mind it as long as it's just an interim thing. So we're going to talk about that as well and the latter match with Dexter Loomis and The Miz that gave way to Bronson Reed, thick boy, debuting tonight, returning to the WWE on Monday Night Raw. And yes, 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 programming note, Sami Zayn did win his match with AJ Styles tonight via a blue thunderbomb. I know the world is ending. The world is actually ending, folks. I did not expect that to happen, and uh, it's it's crazy, I know, I know. Unbelievable! A blue fucking thunderbomb he won with, bro. I thought the world was gonna stop for a second, man. Holy fucking shit! Anyway, we got a lot to get into, guys, and we're gonna go over the Cody Rhodes news that broke today as well. Not really too big of a fan on the Cody Rhodes uh, rumor going around right now. We'll dive into it when we get to the Seth Rollins segment, but uh, there's a lot to talk about. And I want to thank you guys for being here right here on the podcast. People are still coming on in. People are still coming in from the rain. You guys are excited about tonight's show. Grab a seat if there is one. Go wait in line at the bar. Order yourself a cold beverage. It's going to be a good night, man. It's going to be a very good night. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys follow me on social media. It's going to be quite the interesting week. Going to try and get a ton of content out for you guys. And there is a programming note. There is a program, a big programming note. Monday Night Raw will not be having a live show next week. They are doing a taped best of show. So what is going to happen next week, being that Sunday is Christmas Day and I don't really want to go live with episode 458 of the podcast on Sunday night. Being that there is no Monday Night Raw on Monday next week you guys are gonna be right here and we're gonna do episode 458 live on monday night at 8 p.m gotta love it gotta love it so make sure you guys mark that down on your calendar episode 458 next monday not sunday monday at 8 p.m gonna be awesome Hit that thumbs up, guys. I see 1,900 or so in the venue right now. We need we need 1,000 likes minimum. Absolutely minimum. 1,000 likes. So if you guys want to hit that thumbs up, I would greatly appreciate it as it helps out the channel and the podcast and the video after it publishes to YouTube. Make sure you guys leave a comment. That also helps. Let me know what you thought of Monday Night Raw tonight. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys join the VIP club. We already got one new member tonight. Shane 26. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight to celebrate, man? First round is on me. So hit that join button. Become a channel member right here on OTS badges emotes members only chat on monday make sure you guys get them on in tonight's show is sponsored by jesse who's the sponsor for tonight's show man who are we doing tonight jesse's taco tuesday no we're not we're not doing tacos for the advertisement bro your tacos are fucking lame okay I had mega, mega complaints, man. We, we You you go to fucking uh, Google reviews, man. You know, uh, it ain't looking too hot for Jesse's fucking taqueria, okay? Blue Chew? Blue, Blue Chew. Blue Chew.com. Make sure you guys use code JD at checkout for your free sample. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. So make sure you guys go check them out. As always, we love Blue Chew. Great friend and great sponsor. Part of the family right here on OTS. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed. We did an absolutely amazing job last night. Episode 457, we talked about Mandy Rose being fired. Vince McMahon wanted to come back. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks, man. They said that she's peaked. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, man. We talked about it all last night. Go and check that out on the podcast. Everything you need is on the homepage. So go check that stuff out. Let's get into Monday Night Raw, man. Monday Night Raw started off with Paul Heyman. He was backstage. And he had both of Roman's championships draped over his shoulders. He introduced Reigns who talked about Raw being the home of Kevin Owens. This is where Kevin Owens resides. This is his brand. He brought up John Cena, who will be on the December 30th episode of SmackDown as he teams with Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sammy Uso. He says they'll need the entire Raw locker room to watch his back because he's interfered in his business way too much. He said, now is the time to return the favor and showcase the resources and juice that they have because they're not going anywhere. He says they'll torture him and make his life a living hell. He says he wants everybody in the audience to acknowledge the bloodline. So Roman Reigns gave orders to the bloodline that no one is safe. No one is safe on Monday Night Raw. This gives way to the opening match. We got the Street Profits. has nothing to do with the bloodline. The Street Profits and Akira Tozawa in their corner against Damian Priest and Finn Balor with Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. Before this match got started, they cut backstage and the Usos were holding up a camera as Sami Zayn and the Usos confiscated one of the WWE production cameras. Solo Sokoa was attacking brutally backstage. Mustafa Ali... The Usos were very pleased with the carnage that they were already starting on Monday Night Raw. I believe Elias was there as well. You really didn't see Elias. Nobody gives a fuck about Elias. They had his guitar, and I love that Jay Uso handed Solo Elias's guitar, and he said, "No, no, no, no. Let's let's give this to Solo. This is going to be a solo act with the guitar." So. Solo took the guitar and broke the guitar into a thousand pieces over Elias' dead body on the floor. I thought that was great. So, the bloodline causing carnage because Roman Reigns said so. You gotta love it. Gotta love it. Very NWO-esque for the bloodline tonight. Tree Profits against Damian Priest and Finn Balor tag team match. I don't know what you really want me to say about this. I mean, it's just one of those... Uh, Let's get these guys on TV type of feud. This is nothing more than, you know, giving the Street Profits something to do in the interim because Montez Ford is back healthy, right? Gives Akira Tozawa uh, a clean reset to get him back to what he was when Triple H had possession of him on NXT. He's basically back to what we saw of him in the Cruiserweight Classic or in the Cruiserweight division. And then we got Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Judgment Day is just biding their time right now until Edge comes back. Adam Copeland is on hiatus right now. I'm assuming we see Beth Phoenix as well because there's unfinished business there with Rhea Ripley and the Judgment Day. But Edge more than likely will be coming back. As the rumor is right now, Finn Balor versus Edge will be inside Hell in a Cell at the Royal Rumble. So more than likely we're going to be seeing... Uh, Edge come back sooner rather than later. But all of this is basically just time on TV. You need to fill TV time. Edge and Beth Phoenix are not due back until the new year. Finn Balor and Damian Priest need something to do in the interim. That's all this is. Decent action here. And it was very creative of WWE to actually go outside their comfort zone after this match, which I'll get to in a second. And it was rather unpredictable. So, Balor dropkick Montez Ford, and he was about to go up for his finish. He got distracted by Tozawa, who was getting into a confrontation on the outside with Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. Tozawa tried to take whatever drink was in the Red Solo Cup that Montez Ford brings down to the ring. He wanted to throw this drink in Rhea Ripley's face, but she ducked. And the drink went in Dominic's eyes as a result. Now, I don't know what was in the drink. It looked like some type of vodka mixture. Clearly water. But if it was vodka and you're throwing vodka in somebody's eyes, hey, man, that shit's going to sting. That shit's going to sting. So Dominic was blinded, and they sold the effects of him being misted in the face by Asuka so his eyes aren't really doing all that well. He came to the ring with, you know, some shades on. He's trying to prevent his eyes from being further damaged. He got vodka, quote unquote, spit in his eyes, and the eye injury is now a reoccurring thing for Dominic Mysterio. So the crowd went crazy for that. Montez Ford, as a result, Balor was distracted. He rolled up Balor for the one, two, three. And Shreve Prophets beat the Judgment Day thanks to the hijinks of Akira Tozawa. After the match, Rhea Ripley was fucking pissed off. She marched up the ramp. She started yelling at Akira Tozawa. She started yelling at him so much that she challenged him to a match right then and there. And believe it or not, we got an intergender match on Monday Night Raw involving Rhea Ripley. Now, I was surprised that we got this intergender match here. And I'm not really a big fan on intergender matches at all. I think intergender matches in WWE are actually kind of lame. They never go off and give us true intergender action. It is forbidden in WWE's landscape, being a publicly traded company, WWE will never have a male strike a female with a closed fist. The extent of these intergender matches in WWE is a hip toss or an arm drag or a harun karana in this case. I remember when Sasha Banks was on TV and she was in the ring with Reggie and he was wrestling on behalf of Nia Jax, right? Remember that nonsense Reggie was doing flips and dives and arm drags in there? You never see a closed fist from the male participant in WWE intergender matches. You don't see it. So this is why I don't really care to see them in WWE. They are lame and they are very, very weak. They never live up to expectations. WWE booked this match with the right person, in Rhea Ripley. I- I'd love to see her go up against legitimately any of the men on the WWE roster. That's how good she is. But this was a fun match. Even though I have my reservations about intergender matches, and I don't like the WWE style of intergender matches, I don't like intergender matches at, at all, gen- in, in general, period, no matter where they are. But this was fun. This was fun. Botch here and there, but at the end of it all, it was fun. Rhea Ripley wins in about five minutes. Ripley took early control here, started punching. Akira Tozawa, which you will never see the opposite of that. You will never see Tozawa punching away at Rhea Ripley or anybody. And then applied an armbar on Akira Tozawa. She smashed his face into the mat, started slapping him around. And she yelled down at the profits at one point while she had Tozawa clinched in a chin lock. The stereotypical chin lock, as always, on Monday Night Raw. Balor tripped Tozawa running the ropes as he was trying to go for some offense. Ford and Dawkins landed running flip dives onto Priest and Balor at ringside near the announce desk. Tozawa threw Ripley shoulder first into the ring post and then went for his big top rope senton. And the height he gets on this senton is fucking beautiful. And when he hits the mat and misses it, it makes a devastating sound. Ripley moved, then gave Tozawa a riptide for the one, two, three. And Kevin Patrick even said, this was not on our Monday Night Raw bingo card. Nobody expected it. Nobody expected it. I appreciate the effort, but the WWE intergender matches really don't do anything because they are very half-assed. And they're not allowed allowed to do uh, what you would want them to do in the WWE realm for obvious reasons. This is one of the things that I was surprised to see tonight. And this is one of the things, in a long string of things, about Rhea Ripley on why she is the most intriguing female in the entire WWE on Monday Night Raw. This is exactly why Rhea Ripley is getting over to a point where she herself is probably bigger than all of Judgment Day. And I expect her to have a big WrestleMania season, whether that is going up against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship, which I have pitched for her to win the Royal Rumble, I think she deserves it. I don't know what is going to happen. Either one of two things are, are going to happen with Rhea Ripley. She's going to win the Royal Rumble against Bianca Belair, or Beth Phoenix is going to be in the Royal Rumble and seek revenge on Rhea Ripley in the Royal Rumble, setting up a Rhea Ripley versus Beth Phoenix match at WrestleMania. More than likely, I think scenario number two is going to happen, and I cringe at the fucking thought of Bianca Belair Who is she going to defend the championship against at WrestleMania? I cringe at the fucking thought of Charlotte Flair being injected into a WrestleMania championship match after she spent nine months away from the fucking company all year. I know I just threw it out there in the universe, and I'm sure we're going to end up getting it, but I I don't want to see that. I don't. But more than likely, that is what is going to happen. And I've been uh, hiding my, my disappointment behind the hopefulness of Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble and getting Bianca Belair, a match that I think everybody in this chat room and most of the people on social media would take over Bianca and Charlotte Flair. That's just me. But it's situations like this that get Rhea Ripley over and makes her the most intriguing female on the Monday Night Raw roster. This was fun stuff. Even though I hate it, it was fun stuff in the end. Adam Pearce. He was about to be interviewed by Kathy Kelly, and he said that it's the third time that Paul Levesque has tried to call him. Paul is being ranted on here by Adam Pierce about how he's tried to reach him all week. This is the third time that Paul has tried to call him. He says he'd like to conduct business like professionals, so call him back. Kathy Kelly asks Pierce for his thoughts on the Lashley situation. He said it's between him and Lashley. He says they met at the headquarters last week in Stanford. And it's a matter of when, not if, Lashley comes back to Monday Night Raw. MVP, of all people, MVP walked in and asked Pierce if he has a moment. Pierce took a deep breath and says they could talk in his office But a referee ran up and said that Adam Pearce is needed elsewhere, urgently. Graves said whatever is happening, the bloodline is probably behind it. And that was pretty much the end of the segment. Adam Pearce has been doing a very good job on TV as not really the official authority figure on Monday Night Raw, but he's always been good in that role. And I really appreciate him being a sense of authority on the show. I don't expect Triple H to be on the show Uh, I don't expect him to be uh, throwing his power around. Uh, We don't know when William Regal will be allowed on TV. I would love to see him back in that role. I think that would be great for Monday night and Friday night. Maybe we give Adam Pearce Friday night or Monday night and William Regal the other brand that Adam Pearce is not occupying. I think that would be fantastic. I think WWE with the brand split needs to, after the draft, really separate the rosters and really have a dedicated roster. I I think that's the way to go. Right now, they're being a little lenient because it's a free-for-all, and they're trying to put on the best TV possible going into the Royal Rumble. I get it. We see Kevin Owens on SmackDown. We see the Usos and Sami Zayn and the bloodline on Monday Night Raw and vice versa. You know, it's very uh, it's very lenient as far as who shows up on what show. But at the end of it all, when we get a draft and we get a solid roster on Raw and a solid roster on SmackDown, I'd love to see two general managers, authority figures, back in roles but this time, not them being the focus of the show like Vincent Bruce always made them. They made them the focus of the show over the talent. I would like to see something along the lines of what Triple H did with William Regal in NXT where he was scarcely on television and he only showed up when things really got fucking out of control on NXT. I think that would be great. But Adam Pearce is playing this role very well. Now, MVP, you know, I find it funny... And I'm sure you guys thought the same thing. You know, MVP showed up in this segment with Adam Pierce as he was being asked about Bobby Lashley. Do any of you get a feeling that MVP is going to get the Hurt Business back together? Do any of you feel like with MVP in this segment that Triple H is going to give us the original Hurt Business with MVP, Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander? I think that would be great. Maybe it's somebody else completely that we're not even thinking about. I don't know. Maybe Carmelo Hayes gets called up to Monday Night Raw and he joins the Hurt Business. I think that would be fucking great. Carmelo Hayes with MVP and Bobby Lashley in the Hurt Business, getting him situated on Monday Night Raw. I think that would be fucking great. Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, and Carmelo Hayes. I mean, the whole fucking gimmick fits him like a glove. Suits and the chains, right? and the whole fucking rock star type mentality, I think that would be fucking awesome. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe I'm just fantasy booking. I have, no, I have no fucking idea what they're planning on doing with Carmelo Hayes. He's good enough to just be thrown out there on his own. Give him a fucking vignette, coming attractions, who he is, throw him on Monday Night Raw, let him go. We don't really do much of anything. He doesn't need to be aligned with a group, but I think he would fit perfectly in the Hurt Business. I think him with MVP would be fucking great television. But I do think the Hurt Business is getting back together because there's no reason why MVP is in this segment when Adam Pearce was talking about Bobby Lashley, of all people. Kathy Kelly was backstage because Adam Pearce was needed urgently. Everything was going down. Chaos. Kathy Kelly got in Dolph Ziggler's face and asked what happened. He says he was in pain, and it was the bloodline. Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander were being helped in the background as well. They were also attacked along with Dolph Ziggler by the bloodline. So we got a recurring theme on Monday Night Raw where the bloodline is basically uh, attacking all of the Monday Night Raw locker room. I like it. A show long angle. That's exactly what we need to get back to. We don't see enough of that. That's what Triple H is known for. Show long angles instead of just throwing random shit on the show, and none of it really sticks. Show long angles with the hottest group in all of pro wrestling right now is a great idea. So more of that, please, moving forward. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson with AJ Styles and Mia Yim versus Alpha Academy. This is Chad Gable and Otis. This went nine minutes. Didn't really mean much of anything. It was just another tag team match to throw out there on television to eat up 10 minutes of TV time. The OC were working over Chad Gable. Crowd wanted Otis. They chanted, we want Otis. We want Otis, the big man, getting some love from Iowa. Otis tagged in. They cheered. OC cleared the ring of Otis and Gable. Gable then, back on the offensive, worked over Carl Anderson. Gallows made a hot tag in. Otis made a blind tag. He took out Gallows with a big discus clothesline. Alpha Academy hit a double team move on Gallows, but Anderson broke up the cover. Gable went for a moonsault off the top. He landed on his feet. Gallows avoided it. OC gave him the magic killer, and Chad Gable was pinned one, two, three. I think Alpha Academy needs to start winning matches in 2023. That's just me. But this was fine for what it was, it didn't really matter. It didn't really play into anything else, and it was just there, and it gave the OC a victory over Alpha Academy. Bloodline jumped in at the end of the match, and they laid out Styles, Gallows, and Anderson after the match. So the Bloodline are now in the ring, and they are in Yo City, says the Usos. So not only are they in their city in Iowa... This is their business. They run this business. Sammy X. Pierce what the problem is. He says he's the only angry one because the fans have no problem with what they've been doing on Monday Night Raw up until this point. Sammy talked about the match on December 30th on SmackDown with him and Roman teaming against Kevin Owens and John Cena. As they walked to the stage, Styles all of a sudden jumped Sami Zayn from behind, had a big pull-apart brawl, and... It looks like we are either, at this point, we were probably setting up for a Styles and Sami match unadvertised, and it looks like we may be getting the bloodline versus the OC, the club, for January 2nd on Monday Night Raw, which I have no problem with at all. I think that would be great. They went to Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick at ringside, and we threw it to some highlights of Becky Lynch, and what's coming up with Bailey later in the evening. And then we went to Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair. We've seen Alexa Bliss give Bianca Belair almost Sister Abigail. And then we go backstage with Byron Saxton. He's doing a sit-down interview session with Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair. He asked Alexa Bliss, what happened last week? What happened last week after their match? Belair said, she's been asking herself that same question. And right now, Alexa, I don't trust you. Bliss said, listen, I can't explain it either. She said, Bray Wyatt. So Bray Wyatt was mentioned by name here and is now being included in the Alexa Bliss storyline arc here for her turning heel. Bray Wyatt abducted her and turned her into a darker version of herself and then disappeared and abandoned her. She said, she said she's had abandonment issues ever since and was left alone. She went to therapy, and she became a shell of a human being that she doesn't even recognize and is still trying to work through. She talked about the value of her friendship with Bianca Belair. Belair tried to sympathize with her, but she was skeptical of Bliss, and she said Bliss doesn't even know what's went through her mind last week. Bliss assured Belair that Bray is not a threat to her, but she is. She told Belair that she was winning titles before Bianca even walked through the WWE doors. Belair said, to come do it then and take my title. They stood up, and all of a sudden, Alexa Bliss took one of the potted plants that was on the desk beside her and nailed Bianca in the back of the head with it, and she walked away. Now, all the while she did this, there were two things that happened here. Number one, you saw the Moth logo of Bray Wyatt kind of pop up on the TV screen that was behind Alexa Bliss, number one. And then number two, if you look very closely behind the couch, when Bianca Belair was laying on the floor, you could see Lily the doll This is where things get supernatural and then fucking cringe. You see Lily the doll peeking around the couch looking at Bianca Belair lay there unconscious. So it looks like WWE is going right back to evil Alexa Bliss with the fucking Lily the doll gimmick. I don't know why we need to go back to something that was just overly, overly cringe. I hated that version of Alexa Bliss. I did. The only time I enjoyed Alexa Bliss is when she was actually the first stages of her being courted by the, by, by the Fiend, by Bray Wyatt. That was the only time I enjoyed Alexa Bliss because she was in a weakened state and she was kind of, you know, sitting there just becoming evil. She was coming under the spell of Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. And then she was appearing on the Firefly Funhouse. I, I enjoyed her then, but then when we get to this Alexa Bliss after Bray Wyatt leaves with the black goo and the fucking magic and the supernatural shit, that's when shit really just takes a fucking nosedive, and it's not engaging television to me. It's not good television. It's not. So I'm very fearful that WWE is going to go right back to that shit, and I'm not going to give a single solitary fuck about Alexa Bliss. I honestly think this is the wrong move if they're going to do that. But I get it. They need to sell dolls. I think we should go back to the goddess Alexa Bliss with a little evil twist. That's exactly what I would do. So we'll see what happens. It's not about Alexa winning the title. Alexa Bliss is not winning the title. This is about Bianca Belair and getting her into the Royal Rumble, getting her into WrestleMania as champion, And Alexa Bliss, it's all about the heel turn and her completely getting rid of the current gimmick she has now and moving on as a heel into 2023. That is the story for Alexa Bliss. It's not about the Raw Women's Championship. So this match is taking place on the first Raw of the new year. And I don't know, depending on how it happens and the ending of the match, we may be setting up for that match to happen first on the second. And then again at the Royal Rumble. We'll see what happens. Moving on, we got AJ Styles in the back. He was yelling at Adam Pearce, said he wanted a match against any of the bloodline. Adam Pearce booked him against Sammy Uso tonight. Good. Dexter Loomis, he was out there with Johnny Gargano against The Miz. This is a winner-takes-all ladder match. Two bags of money were being held up above the ring. And this was a ladder match for all of the winnings from the poker game and all of the money that Miz originally gave Dexter Loomis per the storyline. Now, I expected this to be... I expected this to be a lot worse than what it really ended up being because, A, it's the Miz... B, it is a mainstream ladder match, very casual ladder match on Monday Night Raw that includes one of the worst offensive pro wrestlers in the history of the business with The Miz competing. I didn't really expect much of anything to happen here, and I was pretty much being proven right in the first half of this match, and then things really got kicked up to a nice little pace here, and it ended up being a pretty decent fucking television ladder match, which we saw the return of Bronson Reed. So Loomis, you know, if you gave Loomis a ladder match, a serious ladder match with anybody, I'm sure it would be a banger. But The Miz, I got my reservations about The Miz. Loomis gave Miz a superplex off the ladder earlier in the match. Loomis dropped the ladder towards The Miz, barely missing his crotch, but he shoved the ladder right into his gigantic balls and gave him a crotch shot with the ladder. Soon after that, he recovers. They battle for the position on the top of the ladder before it toppled over and both go crashing onto the top rope. So we go to commercial break. We're back from break. Loomis shoved Miz off, but Miz pushed the ladder over again and they crashed onto the top rope. Miz tried grabbing the money bags, but Loomis yanked him down and put him in a sleeper hold, that vice hold. Miz countered and gave him a neck breaker off the apron, which looked terrible. Miz placed Loomis between the ladder in front of the commentary desk, and this was rather lame. This was kind of pathetic, honestly. Uh, Miz was just throwing random chairs. So basically, let me set this up for you. After that spot with the neck breaker, Loomis is now laying in between the ladder. So you got the two pieces of the ladder. Loomis is laying in between the ladder. Miz is taking every steel chair that he could possibly find around ringside, underneath the ring, and throwing the chairs on top of the ladder in which Loomis is sandwiched between. It's not really adding any... You know, damage, additional damage to Dexter Loomis. It's not really inflicting any pain on top of what Loomis has already gone through in this match. It was all the sound of uh, of chairs hitting the ladder. Ooh, and ah, and nothing was really happening. So all these chairs flying around and Miz throwing chairs on top of the ladder, it was all for added effect and nothing else. It was not even doing anything, no further damage... To Dexter Loomis. I-, I hate spots like that in the ladder match. It-, it basically just tells me that whoever produced this match was fucking lazy. It doesn't really make any one of these guys look good, and it's not creative. There's only so much you could do in a ladder match, I understand, but holy fucking shit, man, at least pretend that you're inflicting damage on your opponent. So he's dropping chairs on top of the ladder. Crowd chanted for tables. We want tables. We want tables. So Ms. T's getting one before putting it back. He went underneath the ring. He grabbed the table. Crowd cheered. He threw it underneath the ring again. He didn't pull it out. Crowd booed. Miz decided instead of pulling the table out, he went to go boot Gargano in the face and hit him with the ladder. And Gargano, he disappeared after that. He got knocked over the barricade and into the crowd. We'd never seen him again. Loomis, he sat up, being that Loomis was being laid there, he he was laying there all by himself. Miz completely forgot where Loomis was. Loomis sat up, he slammed Miz on top of the ladder, and on top of the ladder, which was funny, uh, it was not actually the top of the ladder, it was actually the top of the ladder, but it was covered with the top half of the desk, of the commentary desk. That plastic piece with the raw logo on it, that was on top of the ladder, and Loomis slammed Miz on top of that. Loomis placed Miz then on the announce table, cleared everything off. He set up a ladder above the announce table. He tried to drive a huge leg drop off the ladder through the table and the Miz, but Miz rolled off and Loomis went crashing through the table, missing the Miz completely. Miz saw an opening. He limped into the ring. He climbed the ladder. Loomis somehow recovered. He's in the ring. He chucked Miz off the ladder. Loomis was about to win the match, climbing the ladder, about to grab the money bags, but he was attacked by a returning Bronson Reed. Reed took out Loomis. He went up the top rope and he gave him one of the most devastating finishing moves in all of the company the tsunami splash. I wish Wade Barrett was on the show so we get the proper calling of tsunami. At that point, Miz saw the opening, climbed the ladder, and pulled down the money bags, and the Miz is the winner of the winner-take-all ladder match. It wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. Was it bad in some parts? Yes. Was it lame? Yes. But the ending was pretty decent, and we got a returning Bronson Reed to the fold in WWE. crowd was pretty quiet for most of this. Uh, You're never going to go back and rewatch any of this again. It was basically an introduction to Dexter Loomis and his, I guess, beginning feud with Bronson Reed. That was basically it. Now, Bronson Reed, you know, I I understand that people may not know who he is. And I'm going to tell you guys again because I've said it for everybody else. I said it for Mia Yim. I said it for Candice LeRae. I said it for Tegan Knox. I'm not going to give a pass because it's Bronson Reed, okay? I get that WWE. Listen, I know why WWE does what they do. They want them to get over on their own. They don't want to hype up vignette packages and get people in the know about Bronson Reed. They want to throw them into the fucking deep end of the pool, and they want them to go out there and be on television. I signed this guy. Why do I got to keep him off TV for three, four weeks with fucking vignettes? Let's just get him out there. We'll pair him with the Miz, and he'll get over on his own. And the Miz is going to help him get over because the Miz is a good heel, and he's going to help Bronson Reed get over. I get it. But Bronson Reed showing up, nobody knew who the fuck he was. Again. Nobody knew who the fuck he was. Now, I knew who he was. You knew who he was. Everybody on social media knew who he was. He was one of Triple H's pet projects. He was the former North American champion. He took the title off of Johnny Gargano as a babyface. He inevitably lost it to Swerve, Shane Strickland, but after that, he got fired. He didn't even have a chance to showcase himself on the main roster. WWE needs to do a better job of these returns because still nobody knows who Tegan Knox is. I get that Tegan Knox is paired with Liv Morgan. I get it. It's eventually going to hopefully work, but the debut felt flat. Mia Yim felt flat. Candice LeRae felt flat. The only debuts that had any impact at all, or returns, I should say. Johnny Gargano got a decent reaction in Toronto. Braun Strowman got a massive reaction when he came back. And... Dakota Kai, EO Sky aligning themselves with Bailey. Clearly, everybody knows who the fuck Bailey is, so they popped for that. And social media went wild for damage control the first time we saw them. But outside that, no return has really garnered the type of, oh my God, what a return type of reaction. It was met with indifference because nobody knows who the fuck they are. They need to do a better job at that. Now, you're probably asking yourself, why pair with the Miz? Like, Bronson Reed is a big fucking guy. He's a devastating looking individual. Why pair him with the Miz? It's the same reason why they paired Tegan Knox with Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan is a very over babyface. They figured if Tegan Knox can feed off of that, it would be good for Tegan Knox to get reacclimated in the WWE and the fans on board with Tegan Knox because everybody loves Liv Morgan and by default, you're going to have to love Tegan Knox. I get it. If Dexter Loomis is going to be starting a program or Johnny Gargano is going to be starting a program with Bronson Reed and Bronson Reed's coming in as a heel, why not pair him with somebody that absolutely knows how to get the crowd to hate him as a heel in The Miz? It's the reason we've seen Tommaso Ciampa paired with The Miz. I didn't like it. I still don't like it. I don't like this, but I understand it. I don't have to like it, but I understand it. It's okay for me not to like it, yet understand it at the same time. I think Bronson Reed is well beyond The Miz. Why do they pair everybody with The Fucking Miz? The Miz is good at what he does. He's a natural heel and a heat magnet. Does he suck? Yes. He's one of the worst offensive pro wrestlers in the history of the business. I think Miz has overstayed his welcome. Nothing he does is important. Nothing he does is interesting or entertaining. That's how I feel about the Miz. I respect the fucking work that he's done and the longevity he's had. But the Miz, to me, is just tired television. I would never choose the Miz over somebody like a Bronson Reed. But I get why they're pairing Bronson Reed with the Miz. Hopefully it doesn't last long. Hopefully it's just an introductory phase. You may not know who Bronson Reed is, but Bronson Reed is another guy who got an unfair fucking, you know, short end of the stick on Monday Night Raw on WWE television. This guy was born and bred in NXT. They gave him legitimately every opportunity to get over. He went through the breakout tournament. He lasted all the way up until the North American Championship. He had dark matches on SmackDown, giving him a look for the main roster. He dropped the North American Championship to swerve. Everybody was thought or under the impression that he was coming up to the main roster, and then he got fired. He got fired. He got fired because he was Paul Levesque's guy. There's nothing else behind that. He got fired because he was Paul Levesque's guy. Bronson Reed was one of the first casualties that started the fucking absolute fucking devastation that was NXT black and gold. He was one of the first soldiers that were that were pretty much cast aside and discarded that were part of Triple H's team. Bronson Reed was part of Triple H's team and also they gave him not one but two tryout matches on, on main events, on the main roster and they deemed him, well, he's too old. Oh, well, he's not really what we're looking for as far as body type. He's too fat. They didn't outwardly say that But there's nobody that is going to sit there and convince me that Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon weren't thinking that Bronson Reed is a fat guy who we don't want on television because we don't like that type of body type on television. There is absolutely nobody in this business or out that will convince me of that statement otherwise. Bronson Reed was fired because of those two reasons, those two sole reasons alone. This is another rebuilding project for Triple H. This is another... You did me wrong. I'm doing everything to undo everything you did to me. Some of them worked out. Some of them did not. Bronson Reed's going to work out. If you enjoyed the work of Bam Bam Bigelow, if you enjoy the work of guys like that, Guy Vader, if you enjoy the guys that used to be fucking super heavyweights that can fucking fly and move and are agile, you are going to enjoy Jonah Bronson Reed. I had the pleasure of calling Jonah's matches while he was in House of Glory, not once but twice. He is a phenomenal talent. I felt so fucking bad. It was absolutely a head scratcher when he got released from WWE because Triple A, you saw the fucking attention to detail that they gave Braun. They gave him every fucking opportunity to succeed. He was put over the fucking NXT face in Johnny Gargano to win the North American Championship. They gave him a superstar entrance. They gave him a larger-than-life entrance. They were grooming him for the main roster. He was a fucking can't-miss project. And he was fired at 30 years old. Bronson Reed was fired. He was deemed too old. And he was deemed overweight and fat by Vince McMahon and Bruce Bredger. Now he's back. He went to Japan. He got his feet wet. He wrestled some of the Best ever over in Japan, and now he's back in WWE. Good. Good. New Japan was going to take care of him. I don't know what he was doing in New Japan, but from what I was told, he was being booked very well in New Japan. But this isn't about disrespecting New Japan or leaving New Japan behind and you know, saying, fuck you, to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is about something that should have never even happened. This is about redemption. You don't think that man sat at home? You don't think that man went back home to Australia after he got fired, contemplating, what the fuck did I do wrong? He did nothing wrong. Bronson Reed did nothing wrong. He was fired for all of the selfish reasons that I gave you. That man lived with himself wondering why. You don't think he was going to end up coming back? He should have never even been fired to begin with. I'm happy for him. I would have made the same fucking decision and Triple— I guarantee to you, guarantee you, that whatever he had going on with New Japan, Triple H is going to allow him at whatever time he wants to. If it, if it really fits into his schedule and he's got nothing else to do, if he wants to go work New Japan, I'm sure WWE will allow him to go work New Japan. But Triple H, I would be shocked if when Triple H took over, Bronson Reed wasn't fucking scribbled at the top of, yep, I'm bringing this guy back. Bronson Reed was at the top or near the top at least of the list of people that Triple H wanted to bring back. He couldn't do it immediately, otherwise he would have. I'm glad that he's back. There's no reason why this man should have been let go. He was let go because of the reasons I gave you and because the old administration doesn't have a fucking clue as to what a talent really is. They never did. These are the same fucking people that lowballed Sasha Banks and said that she's peaked at 30 years old. Charlotte Flair is 30. What, how old is Charlotte Flair? 36, 37 years old? No, but Charlotte Flair hasn't fucking peaked, but Sasha Banks has. I said this last night. If Sasha Banks has peaked, you better fucking believe Charlotte Flair has peaked in WWE. All the horsewomen have peaked in WWE. They've done everything that you could possibly ask of them. No, but Sasha Banks is fucking peaked. Give me a break. Gonna let this fly. I'm gonna see where it goes. But Bronson Reed on WWE television? I'm excited about it, man. I really am excited about it. Good for him. Happy for him. Sami Zayn. He went one-on-one with AJ Styles. This went 12 minutes. This was actually very fun. There's no reason why a Sami Zayn match against AJ Styles is going to be bad. This was one of the best matches on the entire show. In in my honest opinion, this was the best match of the entire show. Just because I love Sami Zayn. AJ Styles is phenomenal. No pun intended. And we have... These two guys in the ring, Sami Zayn, the most over guy on the fucking roster. It it just works. It just works. So, Styles was alone because Gallows and Anderson were being checked on backstage after the attack by the bloodline. Styles beat up Sami Zayn for a few minutes. Zayn tripped uh, him off the ropes. Styles hit a uh, rack bomb for a two count. Zayn blocked a Styles clash. He hit a big boot. Beautiful looking brain buster on Styles. Goes for a cover, gets a two count. Styles hit a series of strikes. He took a big boot by Sami Zayn and came back with a Pele kick. Zayn countered a reverse DDT and suplexed Styles into the turnbuckles. Styles blocked a Haluva kick. He went and applied a calf crusher, but Sami Zayn got to the ropes. Solo Sokoa jumped the barricade. He made his way down through the crowd. And this distraction allowed Sami Zayn to try for a roll-up from behind. He only got a two-count on a distracted AJ Styles. Styles fought off Zayn, set up for the phenomenal forearm, but instead he went after Solo Sokoa like a dumbass. Zayn tried to help Sokoa out, but Styles fought him off again, sent him back into the ring. Referee checked on Zayn. Sakoa gave Styles the Samoan spike. That was all she wrote. Sami Zayn then followed up with a blue... Thunderbomb, and he wins the match with the Blue Thunderbomb. The world seemed to have stopped after the bell rang. I was like, holy shit, Sami Zayn won a match with the fucking Blue Thunderbomb. When was the last time he won a match with the Blue Thunderbomb? I do know. I do remember seeing him win with the Blue Thunderbomb one other time, and it actually might have been against AJ Styles. If I'm not mistaken. If not, you got to go back to NXT when he won the one with the Blue Thunderbomb. It's been a long time. I know he's done it at least one other time. And I'd love to see him win with that more often. He's got a beautiful Blue Thunderbomb. Awesome. Match was great. Went about 12 minutes. Sami Zayn wins. No reason why Sami Zayn's going to be losing. Sami Zayn is not losing going into that December 30th show while he's teaming with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is not teaming with a fucking loser. And he's not losing to a a bloodline faction, no matter if it's Styles or not, and anybody in that group who don't really factor into anything bloodline-related. No reason why Sami Zayn should be losing at all, period. Seth Rollins. Next week, we got a best-of 2022 show. WWE announced that Rollins will face Austin Theory for the United States Championship on January 2nd on the first Raw of the new year. Seth Rollins and Austin Theory. Promo segment between these two guys here. This was awesome stuff. Really good stuff between these two. He made his ring entrance at Seth Rollins. And he soaked up some of the Iowa love. He says he has a message for Roman Reigns. Uh Uh-oh. He said, Raw doesn't belong to the tribal chief. It belongs to him. He listed his nicknames. He's a revolutionary, a visionary. Theory then interrupted and made his way down to the ring to confront Seth Rollins. Theory told Seth Rollins that nothing belongs to him. Theory said Seth had previously said the United States Championship is the most important title on Raw. So that means the champ is here. There's a lot of innuendo here. Seth Rollins mentioning Roman Reigns and said the brand doesn't belong to the Tribal Chief. And then we have Austin Theory using John Cena's catchphrase. If you need to know who Austin Theory's opponent is at WrestleMania, now you know. He said the Austin Theory era is here and this is just the beginning. He said whether Seth likes it or not, he'll pass the torch to him. He said if he doesn't pass it to him, He'll take it from his cold, dead fingers. Seth said, Merry Christmas to you, kid. He said to watch it or he'll end up like Bobby Lashley. Theory said the only reason he's standing there is because Lashley took his frustrations out on referees and officials and not him. Theory said Seth has been lucky his entire career. Seth then told Theory that he's grown up. He says he's not Mr. Selfie anymore, and he's not Daddy's little boy anymore. He said he is the United States champion. Seth said when he goes to bed at night and wakes up, he will never be me. He says he isn't on his level. They sang his song a little bit. Seth says that will eat him up inside until January 2nd. Theory asked how Seth... X Seth, how many times they've handed him the ball and he's fumbled it like the Chicago Bears. And he mentioned the Bears because Rollins is a Bears fan. He said Seth has been on top of the mountain, but that's just a peak and he is coming for Everest. He said when Seth falls off that peak, he can go home and realize that he was just the third most successful member of the Shield. How's that sound? Theory said. I don't know. You want to you wanna talk about that? I mean, I don't really see where Austin Theory is telling lies there. Roman Reigns is better off than Seth Rollins. John Moxley is better off than Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins is fighting over a secondary championship on Monday Night Raw. And he's not even, I would say he probably is right now, the number one guy on the brand. But is he really? Not when Cody Rhodes comes back, I'll tell you that right now. Not when Roman Reigns is there. It's going to be interesting. Seth then got angry and says he's been the mountaintop and has seen it up close. You've got it wrong, kid. I am the damn mountaintop. He said the title doesn't make the man, the man makes the title. Again, truth. What Seth Rollins said there is correct. The man makes the title, not the title making the man. He got the crowd fired up when they say, that they should sort this shit out right now. Let's do this right here, right now. All of a sudden, as Rollins challenged Theory for the United States Championship, the Usos showed up, and Seth said, "Uh uh-oh, we got company. Let's deal with this later. Theory and Seth stood side by side, and Rollins took his jacket off. Theory started to take his jacket off. He put the belt down, and he ducked out of the ring. He put his jacket back on took the title and darted from the ring and left Rollins in there all by himself. Seth fought the Usos off two-on-one. He became overwhelmed. Kevin Owens' music played. He came out to the ring. He beat up Jimmy Uso at ringside. Then he entered the ring and took on Jay Uso. Seth was uh, joining in here on beating down Jay. They stood side-by-side in the ring as Adam Pearce and officials ran out to hold the Usos back and the tag team match was made. We got Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins against Jay and Jimmy Uso. Now, I would have been a little bit more excited about this match if we didn't see Kevin Owens and Matt Riddle team up two weeks ago to take on the Usos for the WWE Tag Team Championships. So this is just WWE. And I know Rollins needed a match in Iowa and I know we got a throwback between Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and them teaming. I, I, listen, I, I, I know. I get it. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad match. I did not expect them to have a bad match. There's no fucking way humanly possible that these guys are going to have a bad tag team match ever. I get it. I get it. My point is, we just saw this match two weeks ago. We just saw Kevin Owens in a tag team match against the Usos two weeks ago. There's no difference between Rollins and Riddle. They're both the same fucking guy. They both wrestle at a high level. So basically what we got two weeks ago for the tag team championships, we got here tonight in a non-title match minus Matt Riddle. I would have been more excited about this match if that match didn't take place. And now looking back at it, that match did not need to take place. Period. I don't know why it did. I would have been more excited about this match if we just didn't see this two weeks ago. This was a great promo between Rollins and Austin Theory. I think they're going to have a great match on January 2nd. I don't know if Austin Theory is going to lose the United States Championship. I don't think he should, but I think it's going to be a great match. Excellent promo between these two guys. I'm loving the ascent of Austin Theory. He's getting more confident on the microphone. He looks fucking great. Rollins cut a great promo. Rollins is, is so good when he's actually animated and angry. You know, when he's laughing and fucking uh, doing the whole sing-along thing, it's whatever. You know, it's it's fine. But Rollins is at his best when he is what he was tonight. He is the top of the mountain. He is the top of the mountain. He is the fucking man on Monday Night Raw. I like that, Rollins. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see them go at it on January 2nd. The thing is, there's news about Cody Rhodes. His news on Cody Rhodes and the plans for Cody Rhodes' return to the WWE. As you guys know, Cody Rhodes has been out with a pectoral tear. uh, That happened in the summer. And he wrestled that Hell in a Cell match with a fully torn pec against Seth Rollins. One of the most guttiest performances you will ever see, ever. Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Radio is reporting that tentative plans are in the works for Cody Rhodes' return. With Meltzer suggesting that WWE is looking to run back Rhodes versus Rollins on Monday Night Raw. The two feuded from Rhodes' return at WrestleMania 38 in early 2022, with Cody winning the feud inside Hell in a Cell, tearing his pec in the process, and he went up three matches to zero on Seth Rollins. Keep that in mind. I'm going to cycle back to that fact in just a second. Now, there are no reports on if this is going to be a potential feud or if it will have any bearing on Rollins' current feud with the United States champion right now in Austin Theory with Rollins having turned face during his feud with Austin Theory. A Rollins return to, or actually Cody return rather, to view with Rollins would likely position Rhodes as a face in this situation due to the part that he put out That match inside Hell in a Cell, which what I said was one of the gutsiest performances that you'll probably ever watch. I don't know why anybody would come up with that being the idea for Cody Rhodes. We need to move on from Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins should not be Cody Rhodes' first feud coming back. It should not be. What else do we need to do? What else do we need to do here? He's up three matches to zero against Seth Rollins. Why do we need these two guys going at it again? We got a fucking near five-star match at WrestleMania. Some people thought the following match was better than what they did at WrestleMania. I don't think so. I think that WrestleMania match is the best one out of them all. Then we got the Hell in a Cell match, which, I mean, it just tore the house down. With Rhodes getting his peck torn the night before, he went in there and fucking competed. No other human being would be allowed to go do what he did. Cody Rhodes did it. We need to move on. This is what you need to do. Instead of having another fucking fourth match that means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of the feud, why don't we have them on TV feuding, right? But no match is planned. Rollins and Rhodes. I said, th- I said this months ago. Rollins, and, and the natural progression for Cody to come back is to feud with Rollins, because the last fucking person that we saw on TV take Cody Rhodes out was Seth Rollins. Right? No match. Cody can come back seeking revenge on Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins can go after Cody Rhodes. Said this for months. You can quote me on it. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins draw number one and number two in the Royal Rumble, boom. They start the Rumble, they end the Rumble. Rhodes eliminates Rollins to win the Royal Rumble. Simple, simple. That's all you need. You don't need another fucking feud. You don't need another match. That's it. Let the feud end in the Royal Rumble without giving Rollins a fucking another pinfall loss to Cody Rhodes. You don't need Cody to to beat Rollins again. He's already done it three fucking times. The fuck you need him to go 4-0 for? Number one and number two in the Royal Rumble, and they last all the way. Both men last an hour in the Royal Rumble, and they both sit there in the end like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Remember those two ending the Royal Rumble? That's... How you book Cody Rhodes. And, and I got fucking chills just mentioning that. That was my favorite ending of any Royal Rumble was The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Then the following year, they ended up being number one and number two. Loved it. The only other ending to a Royal Rumble that I enjoyed more was Stone Cold Steve Austin cheating to win and eliminating Bret Hart, which caused the downfall of Bret the at Man Hart. That was fucking fantastic in 1997. I love that. So fucking good. So good. But that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. If you are going to put Seth Rollins in a feud, right now, Seth is a babyface. Seth is a babyface. They're singing his fucking theme. They just came out with new babyface merchandise for him. What you are actively going to do, if Seth Rollins is a babyface and Cody Rhodes comes back and he needs to be the guy, he needs to be the babyface, you can't fucking risk putting him in a feud with another hot babyface like Seth Rollins that everybody now is getting on board with, you're going to risk Cody having that indifference from the crowd. Why would you ever risk that upon his return after what he last did in the company? Why would you put him at risk putting him against a babyface Seth Rollins in another feud, in another match that is only going to take away from Cody's adulation from the fans? I don't get it. What a dumb fucking move. Number one and number two in the Royal Rumble. Can you imagine if those guys last till the fucking end and then they last another fucking 10 minutes in the end by themselves going back and forth and building the intrigue? Who's going to win the Royal Rumble? Perfect. It's brilliant. It's all you got to do. And Cody wins the Royal Rumble. Said it then, I'm going to say it now. Cody Rhodes is winning the Royal Rumble. No Doubt about it. Where the rock fits in, I don't know. I don't care. As long as Cody wins the Royal Rumble. Moving on. Bailey. She went one on one with Becky Lynch. This was actually very good. They won 14 minutes. This was a very good match. We finally got Becky and Bailey in the ring together. And Bailey, she actually reminded me of what the old Bailey looked like. Awesome. So Bailey took control here, and she's out there with damage control. Obviously, they're helping her and guiding her right on the outside. Lynch started to come back with some offense, got a few uh, near falls there before commercial break. Lynch was in control for a good portion of this match until Bailey hit a Bailey to belly for a two count. Lynch blocked a rose plant. Hit a modified angle slam. She followed with diamond dust for two. Bailey tried to cover her with her feet on the rope, but the referee caught her. So she tried for a leverage pin. The referee said, uh uh-uh, uh, not today. Lynch went for the manhandle slam, but Dakota Kai and EOSKY pulled Bailey out of the ring. Lynch threatened to attack them with a TV monitor, and the referee saw this and said, you know what? I'm not dealing with this fucking shit. EO, Dakota, you guys are out of here. He kicked both of them out of the ringside area. Dakota Kai was complaining to the referee on the apron. So uh, at this point, Becky Lynch said, let me get a cheap shot in there. And she punched Dakota Kai off the apron. As the referee got Kai out of the ring, Bailey comes from behind with the monitor that Becky was going to nail Dakota Kai with. So behind the referee's back, Bailey nails Becky Lynch with one of the commentator monitors. And Bailey followed with a rose plant for the one, two, three. And that was it. Crowd was pretty indifferent to this, man. Again, I, I don't know what is going on with these crowds. I don't know what we got to do to wake them up. But the crowd was largely quiet for this match. The match itself was fine. But there really wasn't any excitement, being that it's Becky Lynch in the ring, right? And going up against somebody that everybody knows in Bailey. It was just this sound of indifference up until the ending. I don't know. I thought it was a good match. And clearly, uh, it is going to continue going on into 2023. Bayley gets a much-needed win over Becky Lynch on Monday Night Raw. Moving on. We're winding down here. KO. He was backstage with Seth Rollins. Seth says it's been a long time since they teamed up. But they were good. He asked why it stopped. K.O. said he tried to steal his WrestleMania spot. Seth didn't want to really kind of own up to that, so he played dumb. K.O. said he remembers it vividly. K.O. said, I'm 98% sure it was you. He then said he's actually 100% sure, and he's just being nice. He said he looked marvelous. Seth agreed. K.O. said that proves it was him. K.O. said tonight, though, is about beating the hell out of the bloodline, and they can do it well. Seth laughed and said with pleasure. And KO said, you still got that fucking laugh, huh? Gotta love Kevin Owens, man. So we get to the main event here. It is KO and Seth Rollins versus the Usos. Uh, Nothing groundbreaking here in this match, as I stated before. It went 11 minutes, and this was basically what we got with Matt Riddle when he teamed with Kevin Owens two weeks ago. When they challenged for the tag team championships against the Usos. In fact, that match was actually better than what we got here tonight with Seth Rollins as his tag team partner. And the only reason why this match was made, because they wanted to give Seth Rollins a hometown match in Des Moines, Iowa. But the Usos, they were in control. They took the early control here, and Rollins started to make a comeback. They went to commercial break. Owens tagged in for a little bit, hit Jimmy with a frog splash for two. Jay took out Seth Rollins with a super kick outside the ring while Jimmy got his knees up on Owens and a swanton bomb in the ring. Solo, Sokoa, he appeared at ringside. Gallows and Anderson come out of nowhere and jump solo to put us... I love the way all of this transpired. This is really Triple H setting the table for what is to come for two weeks from now, which is going to be great. Sokoa appeared... Gallows and Anderson jumped him and stopped him from interfering. Jay jumps over the top rope and took all three of them out with a huge dive. Rollins avoided a charging Sokoa then in the ring. He ran into the ring post, and Rollins took out Jay with a curb stomp. And Theory all of a sudden interferes, hits Rollins in the back of the head with the United States Championship. Owens and Jimmy now are battling on the top rope. Jimmy hits a super kick for a near fall. Owens blocked a super kick, hit one of his own, pop-up power bomb on Jimmy, one, two, three, and Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins win, giving Seth Rollins a hometown victory. As Owens celebrated at the end of the match, we got something that I have been waiting for. We got Sami Zayn in the ring with Kevin Owens. He sneaks up from behind. He slipped in the ring behind Owens, turned around and saw Sami Zayn there. They stared at each other until Zayn said, you know what, I'm getting out of here. He left the ring to join the rest of the bloodline in the aisleway, and that is the way the show went off the air. That look that Sami Sami Zayn gave him, it's all in the look. Sami Zayn was giving him, I'm gonna beat you up, I'm gonna get you on December 30th, pointing his finger at Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens gave Sami Zayn Literally no reaction. He gave him, he he gave him like one of those looks of like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you telling me right now? Like, listen, no, you're not. Why? Who are you? What are you doing? It wasn't, it wasn't a look from Kevin Owens that oh, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end you. I'm gonna fucking beat you up. It was Sami Zayn giving Kevin Owens that look, trying to play up, you know, to the bloodline to Jimmy, Jay, and Solo, right? That he's tough and he's with the Tribal Chief and Kevin Owens is just looking at him like, like, really? So that look is gonna go a long way. That look is gonna be something that you you are gonna talk about, you're gonna go back on when you see how all of this unfolds with the bloodline. I thought tonight was a very good show. So tonight was a very good show. Uh, I'm getting more and more excited about the Royal Rumble season. January 2nd, shaping up to be a very big Monday Night Raw. We don't know what other surprises Triple H has in the new year. He's starting the new year off with a bang. Next week, there will be no Monday Night Raw. It is a compilation show, best of show, as they are giving everybody the holiday off, which is a great thing. Everybody should be home with their families. So next week, there will be no Monday Night Raw review. So 8 p.m. next week will be episode 458 of the podcast. We'll be live on YouTube and we'll get content out, but we're doing the podcast live on Monday and I will not be doing it on Sunday like I usually do. So keep your schedules open and make sure you guys mark it down. OTS 458 next week, 8 p.m. Monday. There will be no Monday Night Raw post show because Monday Night Raw will not be happening. So that's that. Other than that, guys, I thought tonight was a good show. A lot of good happened on tonight's show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job of building towards January 2nd and the excitement for the Royal Rumble is, uh, it's, it's being felt, it really is being felt and I'm very excited about what Triple H has up his sleeve for the Royal Rumble at the end of January, man. We're about to get into the Super Chats. We are going to read through the Super Chats in uh, just a second. I want to thank you guys again for joining me on tonight's show. It is last call. Get those super chats in. Get those memberships in. I would really appreciate it. Follow me on social media, at J.D. from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. If you're new around here, I would really appreciate you joining the OTS family. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you go check out all the other content on the channel, all on the homepage if you missed anything. And tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew, code JD at checkout for your free sample. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handle it. Let's start at the top with the Super Chats, man. Joseph Taylor. $6 Super Chat. Thank you, Joseph. JD, a underrated ladder match you should watch is the Hardy Boys versus the World's Greatest Tag Team ECW One Night Stand 2007. Um... That was a good match. I preferred the one-night stand back in 2006, though, with Rob Van Dam beating John Cena. One of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Sidro! Uh Uh-oh, Sidro's got jokes. Sidro's got jokes. We got to get the... uh, You guys ready to cheer a boo? Let's get this for Sidro. Let's see what he's got going on here. $5 Super Chat by Sidro. Why did Vince McMahon kick Daniel Bryan out of his art club? because he thinks he can't draw. There you go, man. There you go. That was a clever one, Sidro. Sidro with a $5 super chat. Did you hear Norman Smiley's taking over as NXT head trainer? They're renaming the performance center the Wiggle Room. <laughs> not, 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 Sidra. Come on, man. You're, you're, you uh, you're one for two, bro. you you're one for two. Sidra with a $5 super chat. Why did Bubba Ray Dudley say to Devon as they were installing a TV? Or what did Bubba Ray Dudley say to Devon as they were installing a TV? Devon, get the cables. There you go. I like that one. I personally I personally like that one. Two for three, Sidro. Two for three. $5 Super Chat. Why does Zach Ryder hate swing sets? Because no one will give him a push. Now, we're talking about Zach Ryder. We're not talking about Matt Cardona, which I hope to see in the Royal Rumble. I think Matt Cardona is going to be in the Royal Rumble. I do. I don't know what he's up to nowadays, but I do think he will be back in WWE. I like that one, bro. I like that one. Sidro, $5 Super Chat. What is JR's favorite dessert place? A Cold Stone! Cold Stone! Cold Stone! (laughs) Oh, yeah. I like that one. That was good. Probably the best one so far. And Sidro with a $5 Super Chat. Why was AJ Styles very popular at the Slaughterhouse? Because he was a calf crusher. Listen, man, Sidro's on fire, man. Sidro's on fire. Sidro, thank you so much, bro. Thank you for all the uh, Super Chat love, and uh, thank you for the uh, entertainment this evening. Our resident OTS comedian, Sidro. Awesome. Nick Williams. Nick motherfucking Williams with the $10 Super Chat. Excellent Raw today. Looks like no Raw next week. Should we have a members-only Monday, then? I'm excited to start streaming games January 1st in a couple of weeks. Uh, Nick Williams, I'm way ahead of you, brother. OTS458, members only. Next week. We got a comedian over here. Thank you, Nick, for the $10 fantasy kid with an 11-month VIP membership. Thank you, brother. JD, I'm going to start my build. For my dark horse in the spring or summer, I'm going all blacked out or grabber blue. Fantasy kid, listen, man, I uh, I got four dealerships emailing me, bro, about wanting to buy my fucking car. The place I bought my car at, I told them I, I, I'm not trading my car in unless it's for the black, uh, for the dark horse, all black. The Midnight Black. I, I told him, I'm not trading my car unless you give me that car. They're not due out until uh, June, I believe. Fantasy Kid. June. Shane, 26, with a new membership. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight to celebrate your new membership? Not today. Jay with a 999 Super Chat. Jay did this past weekend. I watched old New Japan Pro Wrestling matches and boy, did Kenny and Cody put on A great match. And then that seven-star Omega versus Okada match was absolutely one of the greatest matches in history. Uh, I watched all the Okada Omega matches. I loved every one of them. Uh, And Kenny and Cody, I did not watch that match, but uh, I'm assuming that was a great match as well. I mean, it's Cody and Kenny Rhodes. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Rhodes. Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega. Holy shit. Kenny Rhodes... Sounds like a fucking R&B singer. I'm sure that was a good match, too. Thank you, Not Today Jay, with a 9.99 super chat. Uh, Captain Solo with a $5 super chat. You can't tell me Triple H doesn't listen to the podcast with Sami Zayn getting a pin with a blue thunder bomb. OTS for life. 1,000 likes minimum. Thank you, Solo. Man, I would be very lucky if Triple H listened to the podcast. Maybe somebody in the writing team does. I have no fucking idea. Angel Alaga. 11 month VIP is Angel. Thank you, brother. JD, as always, love your streams. I thought Raw was better tonight with the involvement of the bloodline. Also great to see Bronson Reed back. Absolutely, Angel. Bloodline, anytime they're on, it just makes the show better. And Bronson Reed, I'm happy that big man is back. Uh, Bo Noble, I see you, bro. Yes, the uh, this is the last year I believe we're going to get uh, gas-powered Mustangs. So uh, the dark horse that I'm looking at is a gas-powered Mustang. 248 Radio with a 99 Super Chat. Hurt Business 2023. Cedric Alexander Shelton Benjamin MVP Carmelo Hayes Omas and Trick Williams. Plus any female in the locker room, I feel it can work. Am I wrong? Hashtag OTS Security. I don't want Omas anywhere on my TV. I don't want Omos anywhere near me. Rathuel with two months VIP. Thank you, man. Did you read that fucking Bushwhacker Luke wants to be in the Royal Rumble? What? So his fucking, uh, his record is broken by himself? Or does Santino Marella own the fucking record for quickest elimination? Now, who owns the quickest elimination in the Royal Rumble? Mr. Zaki Boy with a $5 Superjack. Keep up the good work, JD. Here's a fun question. Would you rather watch Denise Salcido on a 24-hour loop or shake hands with Ryan Satin? Zacky boy, I'm sorry. I, bro, I had to go puke in the corner. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, your question made me sick, bro. I don't think there's any possible answer for that question. Phil, with a $5 super chat. If I had to choose one, Zacky boy, believe it or not, believe it or not, believe it or not, I would actually shake hands with fucking fuckface face, emo, fuck. With his shit haircut, I'd rather shake his hand. I think listening to Denise for any more than five minutes is gonna fucking rupture an eardrum. No thank you. Next question: Phil with a $5 super chat. Uh, really good show tonight from Triple H, an awesome show tonight. From the ace himself. JD. what rating are you giving Raw tonight? 1 through 10. i I'll give it about a 7. i give it a 7. Uh, Sidro, listen, I promised uh, Sap I would not uh, bully Denise anymore. Even though it was all in good fun. I genuinely think she's awful, but... Um, I promised Sap that I would uh, be a good boy. Phil, thank you, brother. MGM Ballin! With a uh, $20 Super Chat. There are two house shows next Monday, which makes no sense to me as to why there's no Raw. What's the point if they are all working anyway? That being said, I'm going to the show at the Garden on Monday. I can't wait. Um... It really doesn't make sense balling, but you know what? I don't really mind. A week away from WWE television on Monday would would be good, man. It, it, it's good for the soul. It's good for the soul. Tommy Brannigan with a 11-month VIP, man. Thank you so much. Awesome show tonight, JD. Hope you have a great Christmas and Happy New Year. OTS for life. Tommy, I'll be here all week, bro. I'll be here all week, brother. Thank you. And thank you for 11 months, man. I stand America with a $5 Super Chat. Raw needs to go back to two hours. SmackDown is better off for it. The pacing is better, and the fans aren't completely drained by the end. Uh, I agree with everything you said, America. Not up to me. Not up to Triple H. It's up to USA Network. And Nick Khan. Nick Khan, man. Willie Martin with 17 months in the VIP club, man. Holy shit. Imagine a final image of Sammy lying with a crimson mask and the bloodline standing over him. We need blood in that moment. It would be perfect. Yes. When Sammy is excommunicated from the bloodline, there needs to be blood. It needs to be a massacre. Indeed. Indeed. Riddick's Classic Arcade with a $20 Super Chat. If they keep the Supernatural stuff to Bliss, more on the line of she isn't sort of how they handle Bray, then it will work. I don't mind the Supernatural element when it's more of a suggestion than in your face. Um, It, it depends on what it is, bro. I mean, lights going out and all that. I mean, I, I I, don't believe that when it comes to her. I don't. Unless they're going to add her to the Alexa Bliss character and the storyline arc of, of of Bray Wyatt, right? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If they keep the supernatural stuff to Bliss more on the line of is she, isn't she, it, it doesn't work for me, bro. It, it doesn't. Joseph Taylor with a $3 super judge. JD, do you like DX in 2006? No. No, I do not. My favorite version of DX is the one led by Triple H with X-Pac and the New Age Outlaws. And because I'm a wizard, Sami Zayn won with the Blue Thunder Bomb against AJ in 2018. I knew it was against AJ. I didn't know what year it was. Thank you for doing your homework there, wizard. Really appreciate you, brother. Anyway, guys, uh, I am all about done here. We're going to wrap up. Jesse's going to mop the floors for me. He's going to take out the trash. He's going to clean all the... uh, whiskey bottles, all the fine uh, top shelf bottles. was a busy night here, man. Could have put out that soul cigarette I seen somebody fucking smoking, too, I seen that, Jesse. I know you looked at him, bro. There's no smoking in the venue, bro. It's a smoke-free environment, okay? The Scorpio Prince with a $5 super chat. Rhea Ripley, the balloons are filled. Dominic smirks evilly. I tell you something, man. There are many a guy out there that want to pop Rhea Ripley's balloon. All right, let me get out of here. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast, man. We're going to rev up the Mustang. We're hitting the road, bro. We're hitting the road. Bar is closing. Jesse's going to clean up. You guys are gonna see me, uh, probably tomorrow with some extra, man. Probably with some extra, to be honest with you. Hit that thumbs up. We got 857 likes. There's still 1,700 people in here, man. I need, I need 1,000 likes. I mean, wh- wh- what don't you understand? You take this, right? What do I have a ma- Why do I have a mouse in my fucking Mustang for? I don't know. Uh, it's random shit. Take the mouse, scroll over to the thumbs up, you hit the fucking button, right? And and you fucking uh, hit the thumbs up. That's all you gotta do. I gotta start fucking demonstrating for you guys. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, and make sure you guys hit up BlueChew. BlueChew.com, sponsoring the show tonight. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout guys I need those ace emojis I need those Mustang emojis I need those rock on emojis in the chat and I need that music on max extra tomorrow live Wednesday dynamite new year's bash or holiday bash whatever the fuck they got going on live with Jesse on Wednesday night right here on OTS I'll see you guys later